0: grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today a special message Pastor Sean Azaro delivered in preparation for the Advent season with probably the most important questions of your life. Is there a God and what is he like? With the bonus question, do you have the answer? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a special place to give at reallife.org. The series is called In the Flesh. Today it's part two of the message called The Answer. Pastor Sean is teaching from the book of John. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: If you understand, it is the Spirit of Jesus we're talking about. And the Spirit himself quotes Jesus. It's what he does. Jesus said in John 16, Beginning at verse 12, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. How's he going to do this? He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, Jesus speaking, because it's for me that he'll receive what he'll make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the scriptures are all about Jesus. They testify about Jesus. They point us to Jesus. They unpack and explain the life of Jesus. The Spirit himself is bringing to life Jesus within us, bringing the message of Jesus, bringing the word of Jesus. That's what the Spirit is doing. We're told the Holy Spirit brings to mind or remembrance the things that Jesus told us. Folks, it's all about Jesus. And in fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down the answers to your biggest questions about God are found in the person of Jesus. That's it. The answers to your biggest questions about God, no matter what they are, are found in the person of Jesus, the word, the logos, not the messenger. He's the message. He's the message. And God did some very powerful things. This this passage of Scripture is so critical to us because it lets us know, it, it gives us an idea of what God was doing in Jesus. We understand the plan of redemption, and we'll talk about that in one of our later messages this month. We understand that Jesus was God's vehicle to redeem us and save our lives. But God was doing something every bit as big Every bit is significant in this idea, this concept of the Word. A couple things. In Jesus, God revealed His divine nature to us. In Jesus, God revealed His divine nature to us. See, that's the thing. You know, Scripture talks about in, in, in John's epistle, He says, How can you say you love God who you can't see and hate your brother who you do see? The, the idea that God is spirit. He is divine. He is infinite. Let me just say, honestly, that's a little hard for me to relate to. Okay? Some of you guys may go, no, no, I got it. I'm good. Okay? But when I start talking about, especially you start talking about things like he has no beginning and no end, the no end, I can kind of go, okay, I can, I can imagine that. But no beginning, don't sit and think about that much. Your head will explode. The idea that there is one who has no beginning as we understand it. He has eternally existed. He is God. And so, in Jesus Christ, God revealed his divine nature to us. He told us some very important things about who he is. First, he said he's creator, he is the creator. It's fascinating, and, and this would have been code word to anyone who was a good uh, Hebrew student. When, when John began his gospel, in the beginning was the word. That phrase, in the beginning, kind of ears would have popped up. Because those was the most famous words in the Bible. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word. That's different. You got my attention. And The word was with God. And the word was God. He is the creator. We're we're told that that all things are made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is, is this embodiment of the very creative nature of God. God is the creator. He's the designer. He designed it all. He's the initiator. He started it all. Do you know what that means? He's the owner. He's the owner. I mean, we he's the creator, we are the creation. That that idea, just because he gave us free will, doesn't mean he doesn't have a right to require whatever he wants because he is the creator. He is God. He's the designer, the initiator, the owner, the creator. He's God. And secondly, Jesus reveals in a very unique way that he is Father. Remember in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We take that and we go, oh yes, of course, we grew up quoting that. What a wonderful idea. God the Father, very normal. To the first listeners of that prayer, to the first people Jesus spoke to, that was not normal. It was right on the edge of blasphemous. Because they understood the creator part. Kind of the transcendent. He is God. He is overall, He spoke it all into being. They understood the greatness and the power of God. The idea that that creator, that transcendent God would also invite us to call him Father. That was, that was a game changer. And Jesus revealed to us that he is our Father. And that When we see God, when we think about God, we are supposed to simultaneously understand one who is overall, who is eternally existent, who is the Alpha, the Omega, who is all those things, and who is our Father. Transcendence and intimacy in relationship with God. And that was totally brought forth in a different way, in a new way, in Jesus Christ. So he told us who he is. He is Creator and he's Father but he also told us what he's like. He showed us what he was like. Remember, he's not just the messenger, he's the message. He himself, look at John 14, 8 and 9. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us, talking to Jesus. Jesus answered him, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You want to know what God is like? Jesus. Jesus. And, and understand, when you start talking about the big transcendence, the eternal, all those things, it's very hard for us to compare that. to We don't have any hooks to hang that on in our thinking. But Jesus, he came and walked among us. He illustrated God, who he is. You want to know what God is like, the creator of all things? He revealed himself to us. Remember, Jesus isn't the messenger, he's the message. And God's message was, you want to know me? This is me. This is what I'm like. And, and remember, we, we learn through Jesus. We learn that God is unbelievably gracious and just all at the same time. Remember John chapter eight, the account of the adulterous woman? Religious leaders bring this woman before Jesus. She's been caught in adultery. And they said, the law says stoner. What do you say? They're trying to trap Jesus because the people just love Jesus. And the religious leaders hated that. So they were going to trap, the law says, stoner, stoner, what do you say? And Jesus, you remember, Stoops writes some things in the sand. We don't know what he wrote, but he gets up and he looks at them and he says, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. And he stoops back down and starts writing again. And it just says one by one, they left. And then he's alone with the woman. And he says, where are your accusers? And she says, there are none. Now remember, there's one who could have. Because there was one present who was without sin. It was him. But he looked at her and he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And by the way, in that beautiful place, we see that Jesus is gracious and just. Grace and truth together. That's what John said. Remember, we read it. What verse was it? It was verse 17. He was full of grace and truth. You know, we, some, we lean one way or the other. We tend to kind of, our personalities will take us one way or the other. Some people are real justice people. Some people are real grace people. And while we know we should be just, we lean towards grace. Or we know we should be gracious, we lean towards justice. I want justice. Jesus is not 50-50 grace and truth. He's 100%, 100%. 100%, 100%. And in that, you see him say, I don't condemn you either. This his choice and his right because he was going to pay the penalty for her sin on the cross. Justice would be served. But he also is full of truth. Go and sin no more. Jesus wasn't lenient. He wasn't soft on sin. He hated sin. He hates sin. Why? Because it kills those he loves. That's why he hates sin. Because the people that he created and loves and has an amazing future for them. Sin is killing them. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. He's gracious and just. He's compassionate. Remember in Luke 5, we actually looked at that passage a few weeks ago. Remember he's sitting with a bunch of tax collector sinners and the religious leaders are ripping on him over it. It's not the well who need a doctor. It's the sick." Remember when he's coming down the Mount of Olives and he's you know, wept over Jerusalem. We see him when he wept at the grave of Lazarus and Mary and Martha were suffering over the loss of their brother. He's Passionate. We see that. That's what God's like. He's righteous and he's not playing. He doesn't mind open a can every once in a while.
0: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Answer from the series In the Flesh, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Remember when Jesus went and they had turned the house of prayer, the temple, the place that was designed to meet God, the place that contained the Holy of Holies, they turned it into a den of thieves, a marketplace where they're charging exorbitant prices for religious implements, sacrifices. And so Jesus didn't go in and go, hey, guys, that's not really a good idea, man. Which is the way we'd like to present Jesus, right? Hey, man, come on that's not cool. No, Jesus made a cat of nine tails, overturned the tables with his hands, got the animals out with the whip, and threw them out. Can you, t- I would just love to have been there. These religious leaders who had kind of run the whole thing, it's their place, their house, and Jesus just comes in and throws down. And they remember the zeal, the prophecy that from the psalm, the zeal for your house has consumed me. See, because he said, My house should be a house of prayer. It was a place for people to meet God, and he was not going to tolerate it being a place. That was a den of thieves and a marketplace. Jesus was righteous. God, that tells us God is righteous. He came with authority. God comes with authority. Remember when he stood up in the front of a boat and told a storm to sit down and be quiet, and it did? That's a little awesome. Disciples are terrified. They think they're going to drown. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. He's actually getting REM sleep. They can see his eyelids. You know, and It's like, come on, Jesus. Why aren't you afraid? Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And he gets up, and he rebukes a storm, and it listens. See, he came with authority, real authority. God doesn't come in and fit in your life kind of where you want because he's kind of needy and sad, and he just kind of, anybody who will take him, he'll, he'll fit in. No, he comes as God He has authority, and Jesus modeled that authority. That's who God is. And yet he came in humility. He came in humility. Remember when he washed his disciples' feet? Remember when he said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life? Paul Paul says he didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. This is what God is like. You want to know what God is like? He's like all those things and everything else we see in Jesus. That's one of the most beautiful reasons he sent his son, so that we could have a physical picture of the nature and the character of God. And and let me just say, God revealed himself clearly through Jesus and that's why so many people have a problem with Jesus. Do you know you can go talk about God or church or religious things to people all the day long? The minute you say Jesus, what happens? People go, oh, oh, it gets weird. It's weird now. Oh, you're a fanatic. You said Jesus. You said the J word. True story. You've seen it, right? You've all seen it. You can talk about God, you can talk about whatever, but the minute you say Jesus, that's why so many people are like, oh, I'm spiritual but not religious. Because you start talking religious, and now all of a sudden someone's going to start mentioning the J word. Jesus. And, And let me tell you why. That's not, there's a reason for that. Because Jesus is specific. He's not general. See, if I say, I'm spiritual but not religious... I believe in a higher power. Do you know that means I am the higher power? The one guy in that whole thing, honest guy, I'm God. We said he's nuts. But the person who's sitting there going, I'm spiritual, not religious, I believe in a higher power. The reason you're not specific is because you get to shape the higher power whatever form you want. That's called idolatry. Really, you're the higher power. When I want to avoid the specifics, when I want to have a a God who I can shape and use in my own form and fashion and fit him into my life the way I want, when that's what I'm looking for, what that really means is I'm God. But Jesus you can't do that with because he is the image of the Father. And we learn what Father's really like and he's specific. And that's why he's a problem for so many. You want to suggest the answers to your biggest questions about God are found in the person of Jesus. Second thing, in Jesus, God revealed his grand vision for all of us. In Jesus, God revealed his grand vision for all of us. You know, the questions are, well, what does God want for my life? The answer, Jesus. In him, we learn who we are and what we are to become. We learn God's vision for us. Romans 8.29 says this, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be, listen to the language, conformed to the image of his Son. That he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So the first thing we can see in Jesus is, we're supposed to be sons and daughters of God. Conforming to the image of Jesus. That's who we are. Sons and daughters of the creator. That's what he made a way for in Jesus. Look John 14, beginning at verse 10. I'm going to read a few verses here, so hang with me. He writes, don't you believe, Jesus is saying, don't you believe that, that I am in the Father and that the Father's in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak of my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. He's setting a foundation here based on his own example. Pay attention to that. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. That's a little sobering, because Jesus did some awesome stuff, you know, like standing up and telling the storm to be quiet. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's a powerful promise. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father. Listen, he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He he told us the what, now he's telling us the how. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you'll see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you'll realize I am my father and you are in me and I am in you. That is a grand vision. That's his grand vision. That's God's grand vision revealed in Jesus for us. That's God's desire. We are to become like Jesus. That's what that phrase, conformed to the image. Conformed to the image of Jesus. We're to be filled with his spirit. That's why he said, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send another, the spirit to fill us. He doesn't just say, okay, I want you to be like me guys and good luck with that. And don't make me come back down there. Okay. Like the parent who says, be good. And then goes upstairs and then is disappointed when the kids don't. No, Jesus doesn't do that. What Jesus does is he filled us with his spirit to empower us to be conformed to his image. Literally to work the image of Jesus in us. That's what the spirit does. We are filled with the spirit of Jesus. Stop and think about that. When you talk about conforming to the image, think, think of the fruit of the spirit. Fruit of the spirit. Remember, it's what the spirit does. Galatians tells us fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering or patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there's no law. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what the Spirit works in us. What, what he's describing there, what Paul's describing, is the character of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. That's the character of of Jesus being worked in us by his spirit. So the things that you wrestle with, the things you struggle with, you go, man, I want to have more joy. You need to realize that's Jesus' agenda for you as well. And he's empowered you by his spirit. He wants to build more joy in you. I want to have more patience, God. And you know, I know we've all been warned, don't pray for patience because he'll work it in you, right? Well, you need to understand, it's not just that he's going to come and bring instances where you get to practice patience. Although I think there is some of that. But his spirit is there to work his patience in you, his love, his kindness, his peace in you and I. You want to be a person of peace? Find yourself getting all wound up and uptight. Why do I have to get like this? I'm going to say to you, it's not because you don't have the means to begin to experience the peace of Jesus. The scripture calls it the peace that passes all understanding. No, you do, by his Holy Spirit, Resident in us. So we become like Jesus, filled with the Spirit, and submitted to his leadership. Submitted to his leadership. And this is the part that I think sometimes people miss in the idea of discipleship. Because, you know, Jesus, when he asks someone to follow me, he says, come and follow me. And the invitation to every one of us as we become followers of Jesus, we give our lives to Christ, the, the invitation is, come and follow me. And so every day he wants to walk with us. Every day he wants to work with us. Every day he wants to lead us. He wants to lead you at work this next week. they are like, oh good, because I need it. He wants to lead you in your family. He wants to lead you in your relationships. The question is, will we be submitted and responsive to the leadership of Jesus? That's his grand vision, that we would be like him because of his spirit resident in us last thing in jesus god revealed his incomparable love for us see maybe the greatest question of all that people have can i trust god can i trust him and said another way i mean kind of kind of the answer and another question is does he love me Because if he really loves me, and he really is creator, and he really has filled me with his spirit, then I can trust him. But it all comes down to this question, does he love me? And God didn't just write us a love letter in the scripture. Okay? As awesome as the scriptures are, and as much as they communicate his love for us. Many passages that talk about the love of God. Now, you want to know the love of God. You look at the image of the cross. See, Jesus, Jesus, again, wasn't the messenger. He's the message. He showed us God's love. I love this verse, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates, not just articulates, he demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3, 16. And maybe the first Bible verse some of you ever learned, if you've learned any Bible verses. God so loved the world, He gave his only begotten Son, whoever believes in Him should not perish. An everlasting life.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series in the flesh, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our contact us page.